0: Softly creeping. Hello. Scenes today is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. God is dead. Was the stars have fallen from the heavens. The sun will not rise on the morrow. I am joined in my state of morose by my good friends. John, Dylan, how are you guys feeling today? Bad. Terrible. Cool. Uh, let's get it started. Um, so, if you're listening to this, you probably know that the University of Pittsburgh Panthers uh, dropped a, uh, a gimme game to Western Michigan on Saturday, 44-41. to 41. Uh, Just to read the temperature of the room, um, none of us are in a good place. And in order to protect the integrity of the podcast from just being a bunch of uh, screaming baboons, which is kind of, I think, what we all want right now is to kind of scream until we're blue in the face. I'm going to give you two 10 seconds. Get it all completely out of your system. And then maybe we can try to go forward with something uh, intelligent with the rest of this pod. So uh, why don't you guys go ahead
1: now? It's all a big fucking joke to Narduzzi and Whipple and Heather Like and everybody involved with the pit program. I want them all fired. I don't want anyone else to go to another pit game this year, even though I'll be there on Saturday. Fuck this.
2: Couldn't have said it any better myself, Dylan. I considered pulling a Paris Ford and opting out of this podcast, but my co-host brought me back and talked me down off the ledge. So I'm back. Not happy about it, but I'm back.
0: That was actually a lot tamer than I was expecting. Um, okay, so let's let's get into what happened on Saturday. Uh, my, my first question for you guys, what was your, oh, we're going
2: to lose moment? We've seen it with this Pat Narduzzi defense a lot. This kind of gets shredded left and right on dinks and dunks. But usually we find a way to fatten it down in the second half through I had that thought in the back of my mind but at the same time what would lead me to believe that anything would be different they just marched on us every possession they scored 44
1: points yeah I think pretty early um, I mean obviously the optimistic Pitt fan in me thought we were gonna win all the way up until I watched Western Michigan uh, get under two minutes and realized that we couldn't get the ball back Um, but you know just watching the first half they were just kind of pushing us around, did whatever they wanted offensively. I think when they went up 10 points late, I kind of thought, you know what? We're probably gonna lose this game unless we pull something out of, out of our ass. And uh, yeah, that, w- that was about it for me. But the the whole game just had a feel of we couldn't stop them and they dominated the time of possession and we looked like the Mac team, not Western Michigan. I was fully out of the game in the second
2: half. I'm like, this is over, there's nothing we can do. Until that last drive, I thought, you know what? One stop. Why not now? We get the ball last. They haven't stopped us either, but that did not happen. We didn't get the ball last. We did not win. I'm not going to lie.
0: I fully lost hope of the first drive of the second half. I was I was the one who tweeted from Capel Faithful that uh, this half will tell us if this is the same old pit team or if we're looking at, you know, a a, a new iteration of the Panthers. When we went three and out to start the second half and then they just marched on us, I, I knew it was over. I I knew they came out even more flat than they did
2: to start the game. I think it, the nail in the coffin was whenever Brandon Hill took Eric Allen's head off on that hit and then the Western Michigan receiver just walked. Bounced right like off 35 him. more yep. yards to the end
1: zone. Whenever that happened, I thought, well, good season, that fellas. Just, that was just bad news, Bears. Devonshire Shire slipping and falling and letting Sky Moore... Go pretty much untouched for a touchdown was pretty bad too. both those plays, it was just like we we're completely lost. We're we're helpless. I
0: I was unfortunately not at the game. Uh, I had you're uh, fortunately not at the game. <laughs> I wanted to be there for my Panthers. I I felt like I could have somehow. My presence could have somehow. Turn the tide. Don't you guys ever feel like that? We're all stupid sports fans. Do you ever feel like, oh, I wasn't sitting in my lucky chair. I wasn't in section 137. That's why they lost the game. That's kind of how I feel.
2: Some of you might not know this, but I am an atrocious sports bettor. So in the first quarter, I bet a large sum of money on Western Michigan, thinking that would turn the tide because all of my bets lose. But instead, I ended up winning a lot of money and being pissed off, so...
1: Yeah, I bet on Western Michigan and Penn State. I had more money, and I was very pissed. Off I've never been tonight. more pissed about winning money. <laughs> That's actually the same
0: reasoning I've started uh, fading Ohio University. I won a lot of money on Louisiana on Thursday, but I'm still I'm still pissed. Now, both of my teams suck. It's a
1: security mush. It's security mush, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I, that was hard. Uh, the Panthers are now winless in games I watch in Hampton Inns in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Um they are also uh, winless on Mike and Alyssa's wedding days. I'm sorry, Mike and Alyssa. Um, however, the, it's so hard to talk about because every, every mental note I made about this game was with the assumption that Pitt was going to win. Even <laughs> past the point where, like, I thought they were going to lose. So everything has, like, a, like a, a glimmer of hope around it. Like, oh, we, we had to find out what our weaknesses were at some point. And that's the kind of conversations you can have when you, when you barely skate by bad teams. When you get your dick kicked in by bad teams, it's a completely different conversation. So I don't even want to talk about how A.J. Woods can't tackle. I don't want to talk about how Owen Drexel kept trying to put snaps into the stands and had to get replaced in, what, the second quarter? I don't want to talk about any of that. I just want to talk about how life isn't worth living.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the morale was all time low. Um, coming off a big emotional win in Tennessee. It was all about how how this pit team was different and I we say this every year, but it felt different. They went and won a game against a Power 5 team on the road, hostile environment, and you come and lay an egg against a MAC team and you let them score 44 points in the process. The whole point of Pat Narduzzi getting hired and you know his his whole claim to fame is being a defensive defensive-minded coach, and he's in his seventh year with the program, and their defense is is dog shit. I think surviving the Tennessee game made us
2: think that it was just because it was on the road, and we found out when we made big plays on defense when it mattered the most. Right. It should have been a lot worse in Tennessee. Let's get that straight. Those problems were not flukes. I think that is a problem that we're going to have throughout the rest of the year. That's Blown coverages, missed tackles. This makes the Tennessee
0: game so much darker in hindsight because we don't we don't see those as slip-ups anymore. Those were very real problems that our defense and special teams have that are now on the display for the college football world uh, to watch
2: and pick at when they play us. I joked about this a lot back in like 2018. It hasn't been as much in the last two years because so our defense is actually pretty solid. But back in 2018... 2017 whenever teams were just throwing for 400 yards on us at will I joked and said if I was an offensive coordinator playing against Pitt I would put up 35 just because I know what to do every team the quick out routes the safeties are in such a hard spot more Hamlin bailed us out in the last couple of years I think I think that was on display today but yeah that's what it is I think this defensive scheme is what it is and unless you have four or five NFL caliber players you're gonna have Really bad weeks.
1: I mean, I hope we can go one of, I mean, this will go one of two ways. Um, The optimistic thought is Narduzzi kind of sees the writing on the wall here and figures out that they have to make some type of adjustments to the scheme. They can't just trot the guys out and say, you know, you have to be good enough to make the plays. We have to make some adjustments. Um, And this will wake them up to do that. The pessimistic route, and what I think is probably the more likely route, is that Western Michigan just gave every team on pit schedule the blueprint on how to beat them, and every team's gonna gash us just like Western Michigan did. I'm sure there will be some improvements made here and there, but for the most part, I think every team now knows exactly what they need to do to beat this defense. We
2: also that tweet that was going around that Western Michigan's coach said he watched three hundred hours worth of Pitt Syracuse film and he was ready for it. I remember watching that game in the upper deck and calling for Nerudzi's head. I don't do that often, but I did it so much that day because they just did what... You took the words right out of my mouth,
0: John. I was I was going to say, Dylan, you know why you're right? <laughs> because Western Michigan's offensive coordinator said that he just broke down game film for hundreds of hours of us against Syracuse and used that as a blueprint to beat Patton Narduzzi's defense knowing that he had not made any adjustments to it to cover for Pitt's weaknesses in the last five years. Do you know how many games we've lost in the
2: last five years where he could have fixed something and didn't? I think the bigger problem is he didn't change and he got lucky a few times. That Syracuse game, Eric Dungy threw for over 400 yards, I'm pretty sure. We only won that game because Alex Kessman hit I think 350-yard field goals. The Clemson game, everyone the whole game is saying, Deshaun Watson's throwing for 500 yards, why don't you switch up your coverage? Why don't you Give your cornerback some help. But thankfully, Dabo threw two toss plays, and not you thought. Yep, all you gotta do is stop the run. We'll be okay. So,
0: and I, I have a, a very eerie sense uh, that I know the direction we're gonna go with this. What does this result mean for the rest of the
1: season to you guys? The way I look at it is the only way they can make up for it is if they win these next three. If you go into... The Clemson game, five and one. That's probably about where you expected to be, or would have been happy with at the beginning of the season. If I told you we would be five and one after six games, of course. Though you think that that one loss is to Tennessee or to Virginia Tech, right? And there's always going to be. I mean, you can't change it now. The rest of the year is going to be, regardless of what the record is. If only we had beat Western Michigan. But at the end of the day, if they're five and one and two and zero oh in the ACC at that point, I can feel pretty good about hopping back on the bandwagon. But I also don't feel great about winning all three of these next three games. I mean, Georgia Tech just played Clemson pretty tight. I still think we can and should beat Georgia Tech down there, but nothing guaranteed, obviously, after we saw this week. And then Virginia Tech going down to Blacksburg hasn't been too kind to of the Panthers lately, so I don't feel great about that one. But we have to go into that game 5-1. and one. Otherwise... Going into that stretch four and two, we're Put not in a gonna, bit of box. We're not going to feel free. <laughs> They're done. What's changed is how we think of this team winning games. Now, I
2: think it comes down to us outscoring every other team. I don't trust our defense to hold any team to a low score. Pickett's got to sling it. He's got to be on point. I trust him, but I don't know. Trusted him this last week, too. He did his job. If you got the ball one more time, we probably would have won, but. Defense couldn't do it, and if they can't do it against Western Michigan, I mean, as bad as the ACC is, you can't really count on anything. I do think that
0: we underestimated Western Michigan. I mean, I said it last week. This is not necessarily a pushover team. Uh, they were second in the MAC last year. They brought most of their stars back, and Caleb Ellaby didn't throw a bad ball. He he was on target, and and. Apparently, all it takes is a competent quarterback to rip Pitt apart. Fortunately, we don't have to play uh, too many more of those, apparently. I mean, even even the guys that we thought were guys that were on our schedule later in the season have looked beatable, have, have looked pedestrian.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to walk into DJ Yunglele. He threw for, what, 125 yards this past week. I'm going to run a Derek King, who threw for 388 yards this week, but they also just got stomped by Michigan State, and I think a lot of that was in a garbage time. Trying Derek to
2: King up. puts up the most baseless stats. I think he's thrown for a ton of yards every game, and I don't think he's looked good in any of those games. How many of those passes have traveled past the line of
1: scrimmage, though? That I couldn't tell you, but I also know that Derek King has done a lot in his college career, and I'm not... Ready to sit here and say that he's not better than Caleb Ellaby? We can debate As King versus Ellaby, but I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh well, well we're not playing Caleb Ellaby <laughs> on the thirtieth. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. I. And then Sam Howe is kind of figured it out again. Uh, Virginia's quarterback. His name is escaping me right now. Armstrong. I didn't. Uh, Brennan Armstrong. He's just threw for 500 yards. I mean. We have a lot of quarterbacks who I think can shred us, not because they're all-world quarterbacks, but because, like I said, Western Michigan has it figured out. So right. these seems to figure it out, too. Right. I didn't I didn't
0: mean to imply that this sophomore out of Kalamazoo, Michigan, is the best quarterback <laughs> we're going to play this year. And I, I apologize if that's what it sounded like. I'm just trying to look on the bright side just a
1: little bit and say he he was a lot better than we expected. He did not throw too many off-target passes. Yeah, no. He played great. and. The defense, I mean this this defense or this defense filled with talent and uh, bigger recruits than we've had in the past, couldn't come up with a turnover, couldn't come up with you know timely plays when we needed them. How many Uh, timely plays did we see the week before against Tennessee? A lot.
2: Interceptions, forced fumbles. Yeah, flipping the field. The most perplexing
0: part of this game to me wasn't our secondary getting shredded. It was a front seven that we know is good that we know is very good uh, being stalemated. It felt like we did not create any
2: pressure. What confused me was that obviously Western Michigan was throwing the ball quick. They had the the quick slants, the quick outs, and they're doing RPOs, so that obviously slows down the front four. I don't know what our linebackers were doing because we weren't stopping the run, and every
1: slant route was wide open. I don't know how there wasn't a guy in the passing lane ever. I don't know. Yeah, we had three sacks this week. Haba had one, Devin Danielson had one, and Phil Campbell had one. But three sacks, I mean, that's for, for pit defenses, that's pretty low, uh, given where they've been at the past few years. So, yeah, we didn't get a lot of pressure on them. I, I give Western Michigan credit. They got the ball out pretty quickly. Um, he wasn't just standing back there all day. But, it, I mean, <laughs> like I said... Western Michigan's O-line kind of pushed our guys around. They That's ran the ball well, and they protected their quarterback. They ran the ball effectively, for sure. Narduzzi's
2: motto, he has it tattooed on his back. Stop the run, make him one-dimensional. I think their primary running back averaged six yards a carry. They would just do the read, give it to him at the middle, and he would find a hole, fall forward for four or five yards, and then have a second and medium. they, they and do whatever they
0: want. That was, that was the thing. They, they had a lot of second and fives.
2: The thing is, whenever it comes to Nardisi's defense, I think, okay, this quarterback isn't that good. We're going to stop the run. And this quarterback, I don't know. I don't think he's going to torch us that bad. We'll be okay. He'll be off. We'll get a turnover. He'll miss some throws. That didn't happen. We talked about it earlier. LB made the right plays, made the right reads, and that's all it took. And they ran the ball, especially in on the last drive.
1: our first Gattis episode, couldn't get off the field. In our first episode, we talked about what our X factors were going to be. Um, I called out the defensive backs and, you know, I might have even underestimated a little bit how how good DeMar Hamlin was for Pitt these last few years, how good Paris Ford was. I know, you can say what you want about Paris Ford now, but he was an All-ACC safety as a sophomore. Um, He made a lot of plays for Pitt and very clearly, you know, maybe he freelanced a little, maybe he left them vulnerable at times and, you know, the guys in front of him were pretty damn good too. but those guys held up a lot better than Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett did last week. Hallett, every time I watched him, he's chasing some guy down. I I mean, he, he he did it in Tennessee, too. I mean, he was getting burnt in Tennessee, and I think those safeties have a really good job. And if you don't have Damar Hamlin, Paris Ford-level players back there, it's going to be really tough. I know we were complaining about Howitt a lot. How he looked like he was
2: getting torched every play because he was. But I almost felt bad for him because he was put on an island and they were just toying with him at that point. He'd guess in, then go out, vice versa, wide open every time. To, to switch
0: gears from the defense a little bit, because I think they were the obvious biggest disappointment, uh, for me, the hardest part about swallowing the pill of that game is we wasted one of Kenny Pickett's Gutsiest performances in a pit uniform. I mean, that guy was slinging the rock, 380 yards, six touchdowns. Came back from an injury that looked pretty bad at the time. He was writhing a little bit. Uh, for us to waste that against a Max School is, I think, unforgivable.
2: It was the first time a FBS quarterback threw six touchdowns and lost since 2019. It was
1: some scrub from East Carolina who did it. I almost feel like it should have been longer than that the last time someone threw for six pounds yeah. and Johnson lost. <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we're the same company as East Carolina. Kenny Pickett is a stud. We've been saying it, and I hope he's raising his draft stock. I just really hope they don't waste his last year here. The
2: thing is, a lot of the question marks that we were hoping would come true came true for the offense, aside from the run game, which was obviously abysmal again. Addison's really good. Mack is back. Crawl is probably as good as we expected we had really high expectations for him I think as I, advertised i think i mentioned his name in a sentence with gronk and travis kelsey <laughs> and i don't feel bad about saying that now because i still think he should but i get your point no no he's on that trajectory and i'm just
1: stick to that do you guys care about the running game anymore yes yes i'm still so i oh i see i've i've kind of pivoted i'm like whatever let's just like can i throw it 50 times
0: I understand that because it's so much more fun watching Kenny Pickett do his thing, especially now that like I don't think we really have much expectations anymore. The only thing that can get us up for games at this point is going to be like, let's go watch the Kenny Pickett show. You can't tell me that's not a different ball game if we can keep the ball out of their hands for longer than two minutes. That's if true. we can put the ball on the ground. Now credit to Kenny Pickett scoring at will on Saturday. But if we could just take a little bit of air out of the ball, give our defense a break, that would have been massive. The time of possession and the disparity between how long Western Michigan had the ball and how long Pitt had the ball was maybe the number one topic uh, on the broadcast on Saturday. And I think they had a really good point. And if we stop trotting out Vincent Davis
2: for every snap, maybe we can focus on ball control. I want to give Mark Wobble some credit. Week two... I was saying, why do we even bother to try running the ball? I know we have to try to milk the clock, but if it's not working, why even bother? That's what they did last week against Western Michigan. I don't even know how many times they tried to run the ball in the second half, but you could probably count it on one hand. Izzy had one carry.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, that's perplexing to me. I, I don't know how you can come in and hype him up like you did in spring and in a camp and then just not use him. I mean, at that point, what was the point? What was the point of doing that? And, I mean, it, it, Narduzzi said in his press conference today that they need to get him more carries. You are the head coach. You are the head football coach. Tell tell whoever's, tell, tell Powell, tell you Tell your ball,
2: literal employee
1: to give him the ball. That you want him in the game, that's all.
2: I think this is a classic case of coaches thinking they're a lot smarter than they think they are. During the week he said, Oh, Izzy was banged up. He missed like half of the practice on Wednesday, but he was back. So because he was banged up on half of the day, you think he fell behind everybody else and it's the end of the world, he can't play. I don't know. Coaches are stupid. <laughs> in the last couple of years I realized that I'm smarter than every coach and the sports. There are no good football coaches. No. They're all terrible. They're all glorified gym teachers. Honestly,
0: if I were if I were Izzy, I'd 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 be having some long internal monologues about uh, my place in on this
2: on this Panthers roster and my future with Pitt. Even if he does break through as the guy, I don't know if he can run behind this line. The line is clearly a problem. Before we're like, is the running back? Is it the line? Is it both? Blah blah blah. The line is bad. They cannot run block. But he can, can. He can get us four yards a carry.
0: He can contribute. Right or, now, right now we are wasting his prime eligibility years. To put him behind,
2: Vincent Davis. I'm gonna reverse that. Izzy is wasting his time playing behind our offensive line and could go elsewhere to a competent offense.
1: Is that fair to say? He put up a pretty cryptic message on his Instagram after the game. It was just the deuces, two fingers up. I wonder what that could mean. However, and this is this is a little bit of a uh, of a capable, faithful
0: insider. Uh, we tweeted something about. Is he potentially being justified if he were to look uh, to roster himself at another Division One school? And someone close to the Ibanaconda camp actually direct messaged us uh, and asked us to take it down, reaffirming his commitment to uh, play at Pitt. So that is that is one an exclusive. Thank you for listening, and uh, and and two that's really uplifting news because I, I do think he is. When when Pickett's gone and when Addison is the number ten pick in the draft, we're going to need to rely on him to generate some offense. We need him in
2: the long term. Desperately. I don't want to see Nick Patty airing it out fifty-five times a game next year. I'm not gonna take any Patty Slander.
1: Nick Patty Mahomes. Is that who we're talking about?
0: <laughs> I don't want to talk about next year too much because I this will year. drink myself to death tonight. But Nick, Nick Patty is not gonna be our problem next year. Yeah, this year has enough problems. Let's keep it to that. Yeah. So I know I already asked this like literal moments ago, but I don't think we really hit the nail on the head yet. What does this mean for the rest of the year and how does this adjust your expectations for what
1: this season's gonna look like? So the way I look at it, I said it before the year, but you have to go at least eight and four. That hasn't changed for me. Seven and five is unacceptable. Seven and five is has become you know, synonymous with pit football, you need to go at least eight and four. And to do that, you've got to get hot. You've got to win some games that you might not be favored in. Um, but we've got to be bull eligible. And I think the goal at this point, you have to look to win the Coastal. That has to be the, the overarching goal of the season.
2: The journey to get eight or nine wins got a lot tougher when you drop a quote, give me a game to a max school in the out-of-conference schedule. But at the same time the schedule might not look as tough some of the games we thought were unlikely to win are now more of toss-ups or maybe we're even the favors in those now like Miami I would not bet on us Miami's now one. I oh I would bet on us against Miami yeah I so said now Going yeah. into the season I would not right now that kind of flipped the ACC is a mess if not only just a... college football is a mess right now college football's on bath
0: salts right now every team has looked Terrible at some point, except for Bama, who
2: still looked beatable against Florida. Florida, who was missing its best playmaker. Yeah, going into the last week, I said everybody is bad except Bama, but Bama almost got taken to overtime by a Florida team that isn't like all that great. Is replacing a lot of talent. The Coastal looks like the Coastal. So, And you gotta love that. There's something to love about that. Whenever the Coastal was bad, I would defend the Coastal a little bit. Like, we beat up on each other. I'm not even doing that now. (laughs) Everyone
0: is atrocious. (laughs) It does give us a little bit more of an optimistic outlook on the rest of the season, knowing that the three teams that I think we were really worried about are mortal. Um, But I think it also makes this loss hurt even more. Because if we win this game, and if we continue to trot out a competent defense... Anything that we wanted within the realm of the ACC was within our grasp. North Carolina doesn't look good. Miami doesn't look good. Clemson really does not look good. Not even by Clemson standards. By, like, standard college football
2: program standards. They didn't look that good. But They haven't looked good. But thankfully, that was an out-of-conference game earlier in the year, like Narduzzi said. So, it basically doesn't matter. All our goals are ahead of us. Big jokes, Win the Coastal. Everything else is irrelevant.
1: Doosie's such a jackass.
2: <laughs> I, I do
0: think that the worst part about this is that everyone else in the conference has been so bad that Pitt has ample time to build up our expectations and then crush us again this season.
1: That's how it goes. Uh, my I They will break my heart again this year, I promise you. Because I will be fully invested at some point. I will be hooting and hollering on the North Shore, and I'll be sent home. Set. So let's let's get that train rolling now.
0: Kenny Pickett's the best player in college football. I mean, we are in. And Pat Doozy, he's he's smart enough to figure out the defense. Is this a ten
2: and one team going into December? Virginia gets us. We beat Clemson. Beat UNC. Virginia gets us. That would be. Just, I'm only part kidding. That would be way too pit. Can we actually talk
0: specifically about Kenny Pickett and the wide-receiving core right now? I mean, we have a ri- wide-receiving core for the first time since
1: I've watched Pitt. Yeah, I mean, Pickett's the best quarterback in the ACC. I'm sticking with that. We have. I don't Jordan. think you can even question that right now. Armstrong and Howe looking good again. But I'm still going with Pickett. but. Yeah. And then we've got Jordan Addison, who's a legit NFL wide receiver. He is, I mean, Western Michigan looked lost trying to cover him. He, it's just, it's kind of like, I, I compared it to Tyler Boyd. When Tyler Boyd was at Pitt, it was like very clearly that he was just on a different level than the rest of the guys on the field. Addison looks that way right now. And then you've got Jared Wayne, who's coming to be soldier. a very reliable option. A soldier. Apparently can't be tackled. Yeah. Leading the team in yak. Then you've got Lucas Kroll, who looks every bit as, like we said, he was ad, as advertised. And then you got other guys stepping on, making plays. Jalen Barden, with a huge catch downfield and then a touchdown late in the game. Melchise Stovall making plays. Tazier Mack, I think he only had two catches this week, but you know he had 100 yards last week. we got a bunch of weapons out there. That part of the game has been cleaned up. They can throw the ball. It's fun to watch, but unfortunately now there's just a bunch of other question marks that i don't know if we have the answer for
2: i think we've gone to fire whipple to fire narduzzi and promote whipple to head coach no there yet no i would rather die (laughs) i refrain cut that out (laughs) 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 f***
0: you squid we'll leave you that do do you think it was a bad omen that peterman was the honorary captain (laughs) I, i mean can we can we blame this on that I know, I know what you guys are going to say. Like, he was good. Oh, he was a great pick quarterback. Everything he has touched has turned to shit since the day he walked across the graduation stage.
2: Hail to Nate Peterman. <laughs> you can't keep me to say anything bad about Nate Peterman. You beat Penn State and Clemson the same year, you can... Build a statue for the guy. You can throw him. as many picks as you want. <laughs> you can punch my mother in the face and I shake <laughs> your hand afterwards. I hope you're not listening, Mom.
1: Pickett wants the throw. This is a deep ball. In stride. It's Addison. Addison to the end zone. Next! Seat check. Time for a seat check. I have a feeling this week's going to be a little more fun than the last couple weeks. This is the weekly segment where we check the temperature on Pat Narduzzi and Coach Whipple's seats, respectively. Um, just to remind you, zero degrees. That was... Juannie's seat after beating West Virginia 13 to 9 100 degrees was uh, you know Mike Haywood after his his incident so good times
0: <laughs> so yeah this is actually what I've been waiting all week for um, let me kind of set it with you guys give me give me your temperature for for their seats uh, but I want you to view it through this lens because I, I think we're being faced with our own mortality as a program a little bit. What are your reasonable expectations for the pit football program, and can
1: it be achieved under Pat Narduzzi? You just want our temperatures first? Go for it. However you want to do it. That's pretty deep. Narduzzi, 98 degrees. 98. Yeah, like the boy band back in the day. 98 degrees. Dude, he – they need to turn it around. <laughs> that was like – all time, like, wasn't he in the thirties last week? Oh, it, it got hot real quick. It got hot real quick. We put the we got, we put the front burner on. Global warming is, is real, hot. folks. Yeah, and and then Whipple. Uh, I'll give him fifty. He's cool, but like, here's the thing: if Narduzzi's gone, he's gone. So it doesn't really matter.
0: I agree. But, I if I made jump in line real quick, I was gonna put uh, Narduzzi at like sixty eight because I I still. And I'll, I'll get into that reasoning a little bit later. I just wanted to throw it in real quick. I was going to say, I think Whipple would also have to be 68 because I don't think a coordinator's seat can be cooler than a head coach's. If Narduzzi goes, you think someone's going to come in and be like, yeah, I want to keep the old guy that makes his quarterback run to the sidelines every play. He stays.
1: Yeah, I mean, they won't keep him. But no. for, for the sake of, you know, looking can at he... them mutually exclusively. Yes. Then I would say Whipple's Whipple's like kind of figured out, and they're scoring a lot of points. John, we'll, we'll let you go. I'm gonna
2: say ninety degrees is very hot, and he's gonna show us something soon. Because if not, I don't know if Heather like will actually pull the trigger and fire him if we have like a seven eight win season. Would I like that to happen? Yeah, I wouldn't be mad, but will they actually do it if it's an eight win season? I don't, no. think, I don't
1: think there's any way if they win eight games that, and I guess this kind of rolls into what you were asking, what, what our realistic expectations are of the program. Exactly. I don't think, I mean, I think eight wins this year. If you would have told me before the season we went eight and four, I wouldn't have been thrilled, but I would have taken it. Seven and five is pretty unacceptable for, for what we had coming back this year, but I don't think there's any way Heather Lake fires them just because they put so too much money in them. Let's say seven wins. you think Heather Lake fires them? I think that there are serious conversations, and it might be a deal where they have a sit down conversation. And say, this is what we need next year. If not, you're gone. What I'm thinking of, and I'm actually afraid of, is we get seven wins or
2: eight wins, and it's very disappointing. Same old pit, blah blah blah. You've heard it a million times by now. And he comes back next year. Pickett's gone, and we just can't make up for that. And next year is a waste. And well, you tried, Pat now you're really gone and that you I I agree I think he has a I think he's setting himself
0: to be on like the actual real hot seat next year I think there's there's some t- gonna be talent on that team next year most of the offensive line uh all of our one running back that matters um a lot of our receiving core and a lot of this defense is coming back there are pieces there to put together a competent team um and I think if he allows that to fall through next year is his last year, I just, I really worry about complacency with this program. I'm, I'm worried that this is an athletic department that is cool with seven to nine wins until the sun expands into the earth and kills us all. See, I don't know if I believe that. I'm sorry, seven wins exactly. Giving them nine wins is far too kind for this administration. Nine wins would be
1: glorious. I'd donate $20 million for nine wins. (laughs) But anyway... The John Cotton 2018 head football catch. (laughs) I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves or go too far back in time, but if you guys remember the end of last basketball season, there were a lot of Panther fans who wanted Jeff Capel fired. One thing that I don't think that the university specifically the athletic department, can afford to do is fire their football and basketball coach within the same one or two-year span. Post-COVID. Post-COVID, there's going to be buyouts involved. I, I think that, I mean, maybe the basketball team turns around this year and cables the guy for a while, but I, I hate to say it, but I think that's, that's going to be involved in the decision. If one of those guys goes in the next few years, the other one might have a little more job security. Imagine if
2: you burn Chris Bickle's $20 million donation within like eight months because we fire Kate Blatt and RDC.
1: <laughs> well, his donation's only for football,
2: so it would only work for the Yeah, they'll pull Arduzzi some strikes. Five. Yeah, they probably they they God. make it work. <laughs> There's a loophole. They'll find one.
1: But yeah, I don't, I don't think they could fire two coaches in the span of two years, especially the, the highest paid employees at the university. But let's just pretend they do because that's where we are right now. Who's on your short list of coaches you want? Tom Bradley. Dave Wonstat. Jay Paterna. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. Can I just go on the record and
0: say I hate this? Seat check was supposed to be like, like a like a bit, like a joke. Like every single week we react wildly to whatever. It is week three and we are talking very seriously about throwing away the whole coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely
1: supposed to be a joke.
0: This this got to this point so fast, man. It got out of hand so quickly.
2: Remember we talked about how good the culture was here? No <laughs> one's leaving, everyone's happy. Stability is awesome. We're not the rotating door of coaches anymore. Narduzzi's in a good spot with recruits. I mean real
0: burning it all down. Realistically he's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah, I think um I don't think he'd be gone after this year. I think unless say it goes really south. I think if they went six and six, he might be gone. But I don't I also don't think that's gonna happen. Agreed. Yeah, I just
0: I don't know. I would hate to be Heather like right now because I think she could really like plant her flag in the ground and say like, hey, consistent mediocrity isn't the kind of consistency we're looking for. I want a football coach that is going to take this program to the next level. But at the same time, we regretted going down that road with Wanstad. Wanstad was a pretty consistent football coach, but his his losses piled up a little bit and they decided to move on because they wanted to take the next step as a program. I don't know if we're in a position to do that. Let's be honest. That's not an attractive job that we have if it's open. Who who wants to come and coach in an empty stadium in an area of the country that is rapidly dwindling in terms of high school talent. This is not the fertile recruiting grounds it
1: used to be. Yeah, I mean, that's what Pitt fans don't understand. They think we can go out and get some big name coach. I I hate the who can they get better argument, and that's not what I want to sit here and make, but you need a guy who wants to be here. Pat Narduzzi wants to be here. For for better or for worse, Maybe maybe it's because he enjoys the stability of only having to win seven, eight games, but... I will mention this.
2: Whenever we fired Kevin Stallings, everyone was like, Oh great, what bomb's gonna wanna come here? And we got Jeff Capel and we're like, "Wow, how they like hit it out of the park. So I'll I don't know. I was in that camp, like, who's gonna wanna come here? Where did I get pit basketball jobs? Pit basketball is wildly a, different, I think. It's a much better job than the pit basketball job. But my second point was Narduzzi's play is paid pretty well. He's like top thirty in the country as far as salary goes. So that can be enticing. It's in the ACC. It's a very easy job in comparison to some of the other positions. Like, would you rather be Pitt or Michigan State and you have to deal with the big boys, of the Big Ten? It's like, listen. And also
1: coming off the Larry Nassar State scandal. All right, that got dark. Anyway. It's part of it. it, it it's <laughs> part of it. Okay, so that's a good point, though. Pitt is in the Coastal. Pitt should compete for the Coastal every year, which I think is a reasonable why That's a good selling point, point. And that's something that... I do think the program should be, you know, we should be competitors for the Coastal year in and year out. Not win it once every seven years. Is that is that a fair place to put the program? Is that too high? No, to I agree. It's
0: just funny because technically every team in the Coastal only competes one in every seven that's years. We've had, <laughs> we've had like eight different winners in the
2: last eight years. If you want to count Notre Dame. For the last seven years, eight years, it's been... It's up for grabs, who wants it? Is Miami gonna be back? They had one year, nope, back down. Virginia Tech, nope. UNC, nope. Pitt, nope, nobody wants it. But are we gonna sit here and
0: talk like the subdivision of the worst Power Five conference is such an attractive crown that we are going to pull significant coaching talent away
1: from a better university? No. Well, maybe a young up-and-comer. A a coach, you know, at a lower level school that we can hit a home run with. I think that's absolutely our best option. The only issue there is that guy that, and I I think when we say that,
0: we all think of Brendan Marion a little bit, because I think that's all deep down when we got him, what we hope his his absolute ceiling is. You get one 10-win season out of them, and they are out the door to SEC Big Ten, not Big 12 Country anymore because you know, RIP, RIP, uh, but they're out the door to a bigger program.
1: I mean, I would take a 10-win. Yeah, I absolutely to so use this as again. a tepping, stepping stone to go to Oklahoma or Texas or Florida. I, I go ahead, no, I agree, I agree. Um, because even when they
0: leave, then that vacancy is much more attractive than the one that Pat Narduzzi left. Just don't go to an equally UCF got Gus Malzahn on after. Scott Frost went yeah. off to Nebraska. Like That is right. that is significant. He won yeah. a national championship.
2: I just don't want our head coach to leave for an equal or lesser caliber program across the country and say it's because he has family members there <laughs> without texting the team. That's all I hope for with our next coaching hire. If I can
0: give Narduzzi credit on one thing, I have been deeply disappointed by that man so many times. We at least aren't the program that that Todd Graham and Paul Chris left. Right. That that Todd Graham and Paul Chris
2: threw away like it was nothing. Funny story. Our good friend Elijah Zeiss a few weeks ago told us the Wisconsin job opened up whenever Paul Chris was the coach there, and he called the team together and said, "Hey, I saw the rumors. I'm staying here. You guys are my guys." Two days later, gets a text from like their automated uh, team <sighs> texting group service or whatever. All right, see you later, guys. On to Madison. <laughs> so that's what it is. It's a lot of coaches don't have any connection here. I'd right. hope that they'd have a little bit more success here before they use this as a stepping stone, but Just yeah, give Paul, some success. Oh, Chris
0: me. won like six games and then bolted for the Big Ten. To to finish my thought, I even if the Pat Narduzzi administration goes down in flames, I'll be forever grateful that. He moved us up in inches of program. And, I, and I, I'd take that. We, we get better recruits. We win seven games instead of six. Yeah, emphasis on inches in that last statement. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I'm in such a dark place. You know how much work I got done today?
2: Minimal. <sighs> Minimal. I'll tell you what, tailgating for five hours to watch your team lose back-to-back days with Pitt and the Steelers takes a lot out of you. Mentally and physically. Will I do it again next week? Probably.
1: (laughs) Blow the North Shore up. Blow it all up. (sighs) (laughs) That's (laughs) sigh.
2: Thousand, ten, something like that? Pick it. Over the middle, crawl into the end zone. Touchdown, Panthers.
1: Next. So do we want to talk about New Hampshire? Yeah. Fine. They're three and zero. Ah shit. <laughs> They're on RPOs. They've beat Stony Brook, Towson, and Lafayette. So Murderers Row. Mm-hmm. Their first three. Like games. Lafayette, the one in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, um, not very high scoring games: twenty-seven to 26 to fourteen, and nineteen to thirteen. So, I have confidence that Kenny Pickett will continue to score. Yes, even against the mighty New Hampshire Wildcats. I didn't know they the Wildcats. To be honest, Fun fast. I here.
0: I haven't even looked into this game at all because I shouldn't have to. It shouldn't matter.
1: Well, uh, their quarterback Brett Edwards threw for two forty nine, two touchdowns last week. So you could probably add like 50 yards and a touchdown. We're on. gonna pencil it for, uh, for a for a three bucker. <laughs> but um, yeah, they the mighty Lafayette Leopards are 0 three. So, uh, but they they gave New Hampshire everything they could handle. I mean, so is Tulsa, but they pushed Ohio State to the brink. Okay, so are we gonna give score predictions here? Or are we gonna what do we want to see first? off? hundred to nothing. <laughs> okay. kill heal my wounds. Yeah, I, I, I think, New, like, New Hampshire might just get, like, a little revenge game. Like, get their heads blown off. Narduzzi, run it up, like, feel good about himself. Come He's back, splits and, in seven guys every play,
2: ripping the quarterback's
1: head off. Come back and tell the media, like, oh, we figured out all our issues because we beat up on this FCS team. I mean, I, that's Narduzzi. We know it. Narduzzi's an asshole. Like, he will do something like that. First but, thought was 77-10. to 10. I'll tell you what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Before I give a score, I want to see Izzy get 15 carries. I I don't care in what capacity, how it works. Like, just let him run the ball 15 times. Narduzzi said in his press conference, we already discussed this, he's going to get more carries. All right, head coach, take the reins and give him the ball. Let him get into a rhythm. Don't give him one carry,
2: three and out, Vincent Davis, two drives, then back to him. Let him get into the rhythm. Give him the whole first half. Something –
0: I agree, but my prediction is that uh, Narduzzi stays true to his word and coaches from the press box, and uh, Mark Whipple jams the door so that he can't get out,
2: (laughs) and gives Vincent Davis the ball 30 times. Yeah, we might be looking at a Vincent Davis career day. Taking over defensive play calling when you go into a week where you're playing New Hampshire is just grade A jackass head coach. (laughs) I'm going to figure this out. I get that that's the move whenever coaches know that their job's in line. They say, all right, I'm getting the headset. I'm calling the plays. I'm saving my own ass. If you say that the week you're going to play New Hampshire, you're a jackass. (laughs) That's tough.
0: It kind of – it sticks for him because we have such a consistent quarterback situation. That's usually how a coach is on the hot seat – like buy themselves another year. Like, do you know why Matt Nagy hasn't played Justin Fields yet? It's not because he wants to give him a little bit of time. It's not because he trusts Andy Dalton. It's because he knows he can squeeze as much time as possible if he just says, "Like, no, 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 no. no. Next year, I'll start Justin Fields, and then my coaching tenure really starts." Yeah, how does that time Pitt?
1: It's Narduzzi
0: doesn't have that oh, okay. Narduzzi has the Arguably second best Quarterback in school history Yeah And he can't play the whole like Oh well just Let me find my guy The Jim Harbaugh The, the Matt Nagy Let me find my guy Give me time to find
2: my guy Yeah we have your guy He's been here That's what it was last year it's, Hey pickets back
1: Do it next year Here we are Figure it out. Here the f- we are. <laughs> All right. Score prediction. Give me a fifty-six to seventeen. Although I, I I hope they hold New Hampshire to less than that, but I do. We, Eric Hall will get beat at least twice. Someone's gonna fall
2: down. We'll snap the ball over our punter set. After you get three down the first drive, and then I would score them like sixty-three to nothing for there on out. Do we think that New Hampshire's
1: better or worse than the University of Massachusetts? That that's hard to say. I can't say I've done too much research on my. Uh, Just gut gut feeling. I'll I, say I feel about like, equal. I feel like UMass is probably better. I don't right. know. They have some like Power Five transfers at least. That's something. Give me sixty three to nothing. <laughs> that's sixty three to nothing, and I will consider forgiving Pitt. No, no, they have to beat Georgia Tech the next week to be forgiven a little bit and then like we can start from ground zero if they if they beat virginia tech after that
2: they can score every possession on the first play this week and i will not forgive them this week means nothing 63 nothing would be a good start but this (laughs)
0: this fandom is so much like an abusive relationship they told us they meant it this time, and they let us down again, and we're creating all of these fake fucking barriers, these hoops that they have to jump through to prove to us that, that they deserve us, and we're going to lower that bar so quickly. They're, they're going uh, to beat New Hampshire by 50, they're going to squeeze one past Georgia Tech, and we're going to say, good enough, we're, we're back on your side. And then it's going to happen all
2: over again. They're going to cheat on us again. And then we beat Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech. Then I start talking about extending Narduzzi again.
0: It's going to be so funny in two weeks
1: when we do seat check and it's back into the 30s. Hey, seasons swing pretty quickly here in Pittsburgh. 80 and sunny one day. Next day it's snowing. We know how it is here. Yeah, you're right. (sighs) I hate football season, (laughs)
2: Based on the spot, that's a little bit short. But does it even matter, James? Wow.
1: Western Michigan comes to Pittsburgh and defeats the Panthers 44 41. Well, you guys tailgating Saturday? Am I alive? Me and 4,200 of my closest friends will be there on Saturday. <laughs> Let's get attendance predictions real quick gut feeling. It's homecoming, but it might rain.
0: Well, I don't, I don't know if, you know, we want to give anyone ideas since, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you know, uh, we are offering a contest where if you correctly guess the attendance of a game to the exact number, we will pay for your season tickets next year. That is right. Capable faithful will buy you season tickets for next year. So I don't know if we want to tip our hand, uh, but I think it's going to be, Half of what it was last week. I will say that much. So 20,000?
2: Roughly. (laughs) I was going to be generous and say like...
1: See, even 31,000 might be a stretch. (laughs) If it rains, there will be like 5,000 people in the stadium.
0: Well, so I I don't know how they do the estimates, but I, I think they just like count tickets sold, not number of bodies that pass through a turnstile. Um, I think those are going to be two wildly different numbers. The number of people that you see in seats next week is going to be a lot lower than the attendance that they announced. I thought it was
2: funny because in the weeks leading up to where we are now, people are talking about how we can enhance the game day atmosphere and make Heinz Field look more full. And one of the better ideas, I think, is tarping off the upper end zone. Nobody sits there, put a nice giant H2P banner there, and some sell the tickets. Some people will say, do that in, like the visitor side corners or whatever. Or tarp the entire upper deck if we're being drastic. If we tarp the entire visitor side upper deck last week, that would impact like
1: 125 <laughs> people. That was bare. Yeah, there, there weren't too many people sitting up high at the game last week. No. One of the worst parts about this loss um, is going to be the chilling effect on
0: attendance. Because we, we can't be... I mean obviously we can be upset We can't be too upset though Because what pit season starts without the question What's their dumb f***ing loss going to be And we found it We found it Week 3 we found it um, But I mean this just means that People are just going to be like
2: Giving away their tickets In Christmas stockings and shit Like I thought it was especially ironic That we were coming off the big Tennessee win Week 3 Western Michigan comes to town Pat Narduzzi in a press conference says, Hey, the game isn't on TV anywhere, so you guys might as well come out to Heinz Field, fill it up, cheer us on. Morale is high, we've got momentum.
1: Not to make people there. No. 40,581. <laughs> 40, what I'm looking at right here? I don't know if there were 40,000 people in that stadium. But that was what was reported. Well, I mean, and we we just guaranteed that we're barely gonna break that forty thousand number
2: again this year. Clemson's gonna bring twenty five
1: thousand of their fans. We'll see how these next few weeks play out. We still have potential. Miami, all all the Miami fans from like uh Cranberry, Cranberry, and uh, the Bethel Park. Show all the North Carolina fans from Mount uh, Lebanon, right. Yeah, they'll they'll show out in force, but
2: I don't know. Bump we missed out on the Notre Dame fans with Swickley. <laughs> and Northside. <laughs> the ones Norths that have never, never left. left the Whippy
1: all their entire lives, but they bleed gold. We are such a pit podcast. Talk about firing our coach in attendance. <laughs> what else? <laughs> what else we got? To, what else can we fit in here? So Sweet Caroline needs to go. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Loyal Sons podcast. Remember, follow us at Capel Faithful on Twitter. Subscribe to us here. We'll see you Saturday in the gold lot. Noon game against New Hampshire. It's homecoming. Who couldn't get up for that? Seriously, who couldn't get up for that? We'll see everybody on Saturday. As always, hail, Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh.